This episode of Downtime, I am talking to two of the UK's busiest and most respected movement directors, Aisha Tashkiran and Ingrid McKinnon. As someone who works mainly in dance but whose background is in theatre, I've always been fascinated by those who cross the line in the other direction, bringing movement training to the theatre. Also, I'm interested because, like dramaturgs, movement directors choose to work in the murky shade, rarely needing or getting public recognition for their work, but nevertheless being thoroughly committed to the development of their craft, the development of the art form and the artists that they work with. And of course, we are all engaged in thinking about the dramaturgy of movement. Aisha Tashkiran is a movement director, teacher and researcher in the field of movement in theatre. Her work aims to free and empower the actor through motion, imagination and emotion. She acts as an advocate for the field of movement direction and creates links between directors, actors and movement directors. Aisha has been at the helm of the MA-MFA movement directing and teaching at the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama since 2004. She's an associate artist at the RSC, having worked on As You Like It, The Provoked Wife, Romeo and Juliet, The Duchess of Malfi and many more. And she's worked on productions at Donmore Warehouse, Shakespeare's Globe, Birmingham Rep, Theatre Hall, Stratford East, The Young Vic, to name but a few. She is the co-founder of the Movement Directors Association, the first professional body advocating on behalf of movement direction practices and conditions publications include her own book movement directors in contemporary theater conversations on craft yes she literally wrote the book on it and contributions to the actor and his body by litz pisk and the routledge companion to jacques lecoq ingrid mckinnon is a london-based movement director and choreographer movement direction credits include work for the national theater of scotland fuel kiln theater Birmingham Rep, Theatre Royal Stratford East, Regent's Park Open Air Theatre on a production of Romeo and Juliet for which she won Black British Theatre Awards 2021 Best Choreography Award. Other credits include Intimacy Support for Antigone, 101 Dalmatians, Legally Blonde, Carousel also at Regent's Park Open Air Theatre and Intimacy Director for Girl on an Altar at Kiln Theatre and Enough of Him at the National Theatre of Scotland. Aisha and Ingrid, thank you both so much for joining me today. Hello. Hi, Lou. Hi, Aisha. Hello, Lou. Hello, Ingrid. So I've always been um, particularly interested in movement direction, partly because although I'm mainly a dramaturg for dance now, my background's in theatre, so I'm interested in where movement and theatre meet. Um, but also because I think the nature of our roles, though ultimately very different, actually have quite a lot in common. Um, and I often say that my job seems to be to figure out what my job is every day. That's how it feels to me. I'm always trying to figure it out. And that will be, of course, according to the artist or the artists that I'm working with, the energy available, the time available, and the project and the content, obviously. Is that the same for you? Does it feel like a, a constant f- figuring it out moment by moment? Uh, I'll, I'll go to you first, Ingrid. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I think um, with every with every class I teach, I teach movement from time to time to actors and other practitioners and to every movement direction 
um, job or project that I work on, I'm, I feel like I am learning from moment to moment and I'm trying to be as present as possible from moment to moment um, about what the movement possibilities could be and what I can offer from um, my point of view, the way I see the world. That's mm, the same for you, Aisha? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think figuring out is a lovely, lovely way of framing it. And, and I guess there's something about, um, you know, as a movement director being really um, invested and engaged and, and prepared, because you know that when, when you're in the moment of a rehearsal period or a creative process, that things are going to travel incredibly fast and you're constantly, you know, um, working within lots of factors, you know, the demands of the work, um, the demands of the room, your own personal interests and, and orientations as well. So there's something about the liveness of it that you have to be quite attentive for. And, and we all know that rehearsal processes, you know, they have their life, they have their peaks and troughs and, and you know, there'll be a day where you come in and, and everyone's sort of uh, the room suddenly accelerates in a kind of certain direction and, and you think, well, I've got to follow this because this is really where we're going, you know? So, yeah, definitely. Oh, it's so interesting. So, so go on, Aisha. I was, I was also going to say, um, uh, you know, I, I'm suddenly reminded of, a, of, a, of another movement director who said something very, very sort of key for me, which is that, you know, creative processes are constantly configuring and reconfiguring. Um, so maybe that's that's a nice kind of way of of, of using your word of figuring it out, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, lovely. So you're prepared, but you're responsive and you're alive and you're alert. Um, and yeah, configuring and reconfiguring, that's lovely. Okay, so let's break it up a little bit because the world covers a lot of ground. Um and I'd like to think about the relationships at the heart of it. So namely working with directors, working with groups of actors, a company of actors, individual actors, and also the other collaborators. Uh, and let's start with the director. Obviously, you work very closely with directors. When in a process does work with a director start for you or ideally perhaps? And how does it happen, Aisha? Yeah, actually, most projects start with a director. Um and, you know, I, I don't work with lots of different people. I tend to work with a group of people and, you know, we've been lucky enough to maybe work over time. Um, so it really does start with them and it starts with with their interests and, and why they're doing a certain piece of work. Um, and I think it's, a, you know, it's a really lovely and fruitful moment because, you know, once you've got all of the sort of uh, logistics out of the way and you're there with with a director really listening, really kind of trying to enter into their their um, impulse for a work, um, their excitement and their mission. And, you know, I was thinking recently, I find it really difficult to meet directors on Zoom because I don't have their full bodies, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, in a room. And I, I, I sort of do need a full body experience, really, because not only are you listening to kind of ideas and concepts, but you're also getting a sense of their energy um, and what is exciting them and what is perplexing them and what they're feeling nervous about. And all of that sort of leaks out in the conversation that you're having with them. Um, 
and I think I think you know different directors work in different ways. You know, some will want a really sort of big creative team meeting at the beginning, so you're into the mix from the beginning. Some want to t- you know speak to each creative um, different, you know, in its own space, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And often, you know, I'll be there with a notebook. I'll be taking lots of notes, um, and, and depending on you know where I'm at you know, I'm, I'm sort of feeding into that as well, maybe, and sometimes feeding in with with ideas that aren't going to go forward and, and ideas that will go forwards. Um, so yeah, it's it's a really rich time. And uh, and, and I don't know about you, Ingrid, but when, when I meet a director, it's like they, they've often been living with a project, you know, potentially for years, you know, and there's something about like, this meeting being a sort of moment to unleash all of that into a conversation and then to start kind of getting excited by the next phase, which is, well, how do we realize this and how do we make this an embodied experience? Yeah, I mean, I would totally agree with that. Meeting a director for the first time, it's like a giant exhale for them when they just offload all of their ideas and then the the, the twinkle of relief in their eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, when there's synergy, when you go, yes, that totally makes sense. And then they go, <laughs> um, there, there's something really beautiful about that. I think my experience is um, slightly different to Aisha's, my, my journey in that I have worked with a variety of directors in my time so far as movement director. And um, I have had a lot of Zoom meetings <laughs> and, um, and a lot of phone calls. Sometimes I don't even see the director at all. Um, so I don't know what they look like or what their energy is like, but I, you try to get a, a gauge over the phone. But um, definitely there's something about um, it starting from the director's vision. That's really key. And understanding their vision and then how you might um, be able to serve that, impact that, contribute to that, and collaborate within that. Um, so it starts with them, but in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a hopefully in a very generous way, it kind of there's like a beautiful tree that's created in which you you are uh, you are part of and you're contributing to the development of that vision i guess uh are you contributing just in inverted commas in terms of movement and the body or are you also contributing to the development of the the bigger ideas the the more conceptual you know the wider concept is it both do you find ingrid i mean i i definitely think it can be both sometimes, but it depends, again, on the relationship you have with the director. It depends on the ask. And actually, sometimes you're, because I'm, I'm always coming from the embodied place. I'm always coming from movement, but sometimes your movement ideas, your movement, the way that you see the world through movement affects the greater picture, if that makes sense. So the yeah. way that you're able to articulate that makes someone in design or lighting or the composer go, ah. Oh, yeah, in a way that you hadn't maybe thought uh, would affect the development of, of the of the greater piece, if that makes sense. So it's not sometimes just it's not that I'm going in there specifically going, oh, I'm going to like start to um, find my way into other departments. It's not that it's just if you mm. if for me, if I come from a, a truly from the way that I see the world through movement and I try to offer that in a way that like I can explain it, explain it in words. So then people can understand what I'm trying to say, then somehow that might influence, impact the way that we work together and the way that the project evolves. 
Yeah, in the same way that it might go in the other direction as well, that a lighting designer might speak of some ideas and that might influence you and, and contribute to your work. Yeah, Aisha? Yeah, I, I think um, there's a really lovely moment where you can also connect with other creatives. And and if 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 the conversation around the design has happened already, or if there is a composer on board, for example, like sometimes being able to sort of open up some of the thinking around both of those because they feel like more naturally embodied I suppose for me as well in that design will often be expressed through mood boards or visuals or a kind of impulse and also composers you know you're working in the realm of dynamics and the feelingness of of production choices and mm. I think those conversations can really reveal what a director's thinking of and I, I I do try and sort of open that up um you know early on in the process so I've got a sense of that but I think um you know everything I do you know just like Ingrid has said you know I, I dream movements and and you know I get, I get really excited about the movement part of it so I really do try and focus us on that but that doesn't mean it's non-dramaturgical I think no, it really. is yeah um and I think there's different projects sort of ask different levels of involvement I suppose in that and you know a project uh let's say um you know I did Dr Faustus with Maria Arberg a few years ago at the RSC and you know the script that I read from her had literally kind of cut out parts of the original text and put in one line which is I don't know um Faustus celebrates the end of the world in movement Mm -hmm. and you know I kind of like I it's it's impossible not to just go you know like and to feel that kind of just grow in you and kind of go right I know exactly how to start to initiate this um so you know that that they're just very different asks i suppose and then i suppose there's that that sort of contribution that you might be making so um you know if there's something very concrete within the text that needs to happen you probably go into those early conversations already with a sort of instinct about where you could go and i think it's wonderful to be able to test that out with the director very early in the process and um you know kind of I don't want to say rehearse things, but, you know, it's to ask some leading questions so that you kind of then you can come out of that meeting or that that collaborative moment with a sort of stronger sense of, of where you might start for a process mm. with actors. Yeah, it's, you it's definitely like, so, sorry, Lou, I was just, it's definitely that makes me think I should have like, um, like a, I'm doing that scratch moment of when you're trying to light yeah. a match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? You're just trying to yeah. find that. And then once you kind of find that, it's it's just a, it's a great way to start you're like yes yeah. you know we have liftoff yeah yeah and also like different movements you know a production probably has all sorts of movement tasks within it um you know it's probably got some really small invisible things and it might also have some really like big big moments and big numbers and big big solutions i suppose to the impossible things in a play you know mm-hmm. i'm really interested in, in those different um yeah, the different types of movement. Um, <clears throat> one distinction, there are many more, I imagine, but one distinction is a kind of naturalistic body language born of character or era or place or something like that. Um, but there's also the more metaphorical, perhaps a- abstract expressions of um, emotional landscapes. Um, and I find the fact that you guys cover both of those, <laughs> all of that, to be really interesting. That They're quite different skills, aren't they? Um, and do they require different approaches, these two different territories? 
I mean, I think there's something about this kind of speaks to me about the collaboration you have with the actors and the company. So um, I think they're they're one in the same. And what I mean by that is that there's something about Aisha mentioned a great word about the the feeling, mm. you know, the, the feeling of a production. And sometimes that can come from music you might use in the room that's not necessarily music that's ever going to make its way to the stage but it's something about creating an atmosphere in the room that speaks to i'll say the color of the production that's how i see it i see things quite visually so when you have a sense of what the color of the production is or when i have a sense of what the color of the production is i can infuse that in how you approach how the actors warm up mm. and then sometimes that approach it through the actor's own process affects how they start to think about their characters and their characters embodiment because that's what they do as, as an actor and they start to make choices which are informed by kind of the color you've painted in the room through music and through movement and then then there's bigger moments that we mentioned before that that are needed that are also under the remit of the movement director to to kind of create shift um produce in collaboration with the company. So um, I think of it as like a kind of a color. So the color of the show is gold and everything that we do is a kind of informed about, you know, what shade of gold you are. And it, maybe it's not even anything I share with the actors, but I have that in my brain constantly. This is a is that something you will have discussed with the director? Sometimes. Mm. Um, sometimes it's just stuff that I've mined from our discussions um, and then and I carry it with you. I carry it with me in a way that that's how I approach the room and approach the movement and approach mm. just anytime I'm offering uh, a movement offer. I have a I have a color, a mood, a feeling in my brain. Lovely. And um, to, to talk a little bit more about the individual actors, it's clearly a an intimate role, um, and you're helping them navigate the desires of the director, obviously the demands of the text. Uh, the their own interpretation of the role, of course, and what they want to bring to it, at the same time as the possibilities and uh, capabilities of their of their own bodies. Um, this, it feels like there's a lot in there. How do you approach that? How do you earn their trust, and how do you move forwards with that, uh, Aisha? Well, I, I think I think really, um, really directly, which is to say that you know. I have a deep-seated love and enthusiasm for the act of acting and the fact that theatre, you know, is en route to have all sorts of bodies in the space um, with all sorts of creative processes. So it feels like the richness is already in the room, you know, and all, all we need to do is not, not interfere with it too much, mm -hmm. you know, um, and to make the conditions in which people can really trust their instincts about their expressivity, you know, and to go into places because they're in a space which allows for that creativity. So I, th I think, I think if I start from that base of like, we have everything we need uh, here, and it's really a question of like how we um, navigate it and direct it and unleash it, you know, then it gets really exciting for me, you know. Um, I, th I think it's quite important for movement directors not to step in between a director and, a, and a, an actor. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that that's the 
that's their primary relationship. That's the ongoingness of, of the creative process. They were there at the auditions or the interviews, or they've been dreaming about doing this collaboration for years. So I think it is really important that, 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 that I don't try and kind of get, get stuck in the middle of that. But having said that, um, you know, a movement director also gets the opportunity not to lead a room sometimes and to sit, you know, on the edges and to watch and observe and, and you know, to feel um, the navigations that people are going on. And, and it is really wonderful to be able to identify how you might be helpful sometimes to kind of unleash a certain direction into the space or to um, to support somebody in a certain way for a moment, you know, and then let that sort of feed back into the process. And then I guess there are some really, you know, um, kind of very concrete things that, that one might bring to a process, um, which is outside of the kind of general thrust of a rehearsal room, you know. Um, so more and more I try and invite the actors to, to ask for a session if they want to explore something which might be around the text and around the world of the work. Um, and, you know, to act as a, on the whole, really um, hungry uh, to go through that embodiment process. And, you know, I've been so lucky, I think, to work with actors who, you know, that they're very committed to process and um, committed to a lifelong process for themselves. So, often uh you know in longer processes i'll say to act as well you know if you want a one-on-one -on -one session or if you want a small group session we can always like do one which which will support your work and i think if if i do those um i definitely report back to the yeah. director in the room you know because you'll go off in a certain direction and then you'll just have to wait for that to land um yeah and and i think um you know I, I think, I think the word co-creation is incredibly important. Um, and I, I try and activate that, you know, I, I'm Lecoq trained. So my training was about the creativity in the space. And I, I think it's really important to, to take that co-creation with you everywhere mm. <laughs> in a rehearsal process, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's it's really interesting that you're yeah you're working with a director with the whole company then you go work alone with the the actors which is obviously a uh, your director needs to trust you <laughs> to do that and then you report back and you know everything feeds everything I guess but there might be times where you go somewhere in a in a one to one session that actually isn't where the director wants you to go does that ever happen um, no. Well no it yes. does it does happen in a way that like it's really useful okay. like it was a one-to-one -one session that, you know, you do with the actor that we just needed to just, we just needed to just embody that version and see what it would feel like. Um, and then, you know, we were able to go, that is not what the direction it needs to go in, but it felt really great to have that space with you to, to explore that. And yeah. I've, I've explored it and we can then report back to the director quite concretely. We tried this thing. And, you know, you might want to see it, but actually we, we, you know, we don't think it's the direction it should go in, but now everybody feels good that we've kind of exercised it out of our bodies. Um, yeah, and I, I completely understand that. And I, I just wanted to jump in, I suppose, with sometimes at the beginning of a rehearsal period, people have 
come from different experiences. You know, if an actor's been doing lots of television or film where there's so little rehearsal, mm. you know, it's something really lovely about having a movement session which just invites them back into theatre, let's say, and the sort of dimensionality of theatre. Um, so th th there's sort of, it kind of depends at what point in a rehearsal period, you know. And I think what's so lovely about what Ingrid's just offered us is, is that sense of... Um, you know, not not everything lands in a rehearsal process, does it? Not everything manifests in the final production, but contributes to the ongoing life of of, of a company endeavouring to do a work together. Mm. So, just to be clear about the um, yeah the development of the, the company dynamic, I guess uh, when you're working with them as a group. So, do you does it does it go that the director would lead a theatre warm up? Sorry if these are boring distinctions and then you would move on to the body and lead a, a more physical warm-up do you do that or is it is it not about warm-ups is it about you know this is the meat of the day and this is the workshop you're going to take them the journey you're going to lead how does it work in terms of yeah getting the company energy dynamic and physicality going I I mean in, in my experience so far if I'm there we're doing a movement warm-up <laughs> Uh, and hopefully even when I'm not there, um, but when I'm there, we're leading a movement. And we normally start with movement most of the time if I'm there. It can vary in duration. <laughs> I'll take it even if it's five minutes, because um, sometimes that's mm. just what's available. And I'll take it equally if it's a half an hour or an hour. Mm. Um, and then that might be handed over to a voice person, possibly, or that might be handed over to the director or assistant director or associate director who does something um i'll use your air quotations more like a theater game um yeah. that lands them into the the body of the work um but it depends on each room do you know what i mean there's some rooms that the remit is really like the the company needs to work on their fitness in order to be able to do the to be able to 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 handle the physicality of this production that we're creating so the warm-ups then become quite integral to um how they can manage their day and manage their eventual run. So then that's given space. Or sometimes it's, it's just to, to enter the room as a kind of physical check-in. And um, and it's a nice place for everyone to meet because it's a type of work where maybe, even though they are a company, the nature of the production, they're not maybe always in the space at the same time. So actually mm -hmm. a warm-up is a very nice time for everyone to be in the space at the same time, meet and, and build those relationships. Um, yeah, so I think it varies. I don't think there's a hard, fast rule. I don't think there's a hard, fast rule. But it, but uh, yes, for warm-up. It doesn't mean it doesn't matter who leads it, but just yes. <laughs> Warm-ups are really powerful, aren't they? And then I guess, um, you know, it's a way of, of really directing the energy in a certain kind of direction with an infrastructure that hopefully supports the actors all the way through mm. I guess um you know with, with a little bit of pre-planning it's 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 great to have a few early sessions I think where you are allowed to be experimental and to sort of say to people you know um I want to do lead these experiments because I think it will generate this which will then become used um, so I think in the early days of a production, it's very helpful for me to ask for and get a few sessions where, you know, if we've got a big movement task, um, that I get an opportunity to kind of lay the terrain for that. 
um, and then, you know, making productive um, experiments, I think, early in a process um, is often a way that can then just really kind of um, weave its way through into a production. And then, you know, I'll go away with that information and then come back with a kind of development of that if we're, if we're making something really specific. And I guess in the, those other occasions where you go, you, you do some really detailed micro kind of planning with a director because actually you've got to really bounce back and forth between the generating of material or the embodiment of something and it's kind of structural place within within a narrative or a moment you know so i, I think there are lots of different ways of working you know yeah yeah and as we say you know it changes every day and and hopefully we haven't found them all yet you know we're endlessly finding new ways of working aren't we um but I'm interested in that negotiation. So you say that sometimes, obviously, sometimes you're leading, sometimes you have the opportunity to not lead, and sometimes you're out the room on your own, or sometimes, yeah, you're just observing. Um, and Aisha, you said, you know, you ask for something and you get it. That negotiation is interesting. How much time you want, how much time you get, uh, where in the process you get time. How? how what, what can you say about those negotiations and uh how responsive people are and whether you sometimes feel like you don't get enough time I suppose I think that's the condition of theatre isn't it not enough time never so, enough time um I, I guess with a little bit of experience you then use every moment you do have um I mean yeah if you've got a minute you use a minute um, um but I I suppose you know, there's there's a time at which you can ask for time and then that will start to funnel mm. and get tighter and tighter. So, um, yeah, I, I, I do try and ask for more at the beginning so that I know I've got like the, the real infrastructure, which is both my relationship to the actors, but also like the generation of material as well, um, knowing that we're going to get tighter and tighter and tighter. And then I suppose, you know, during um, tech and previews, tech, I, I, I try to use every moment of a tech productively. Um, again, you know, in collaboration with the director and to make sure that you're not sort of working in a way that's deeply annoying for them. Mm. But, you know, I, 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 again, over, over the years, I try and use tech in a really optimal way. Um, so whilst everyone else is concerned with, you know, how, how light is working, maybe I, I'm in there getting, getting involved and really pushing the work forwards, hopefully. Mm. Um, no, I am pushing the work forwards. <laughs> yes, go on, <laughs> um, own it. And, the, and then, yeah, I'm going to own that. Um, <laughs> and then in previews, um, I'm very, very organized about previews in that, you know, um, a pre the, the post-show um, session where all of the creative teams and all the technical teams collaborate to kind of talk about what the what the agenda is for the next day. I definitely attend those. And, and again, you know, when you've got a sort of working relationship with a director, they will be asking you what you need to be able to make something develop. Um, so I, I will always try and ask for, 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 for time during previews to really sort stuff out. And again, try and use the early days of previews to really get the material landing and, and do all of that sort of organizational aspect. Uh, and then 
I, during previews, I try and keep running warm-ups so that I can do working notes during a warm-up as well, which this sounds very sort of structural and technical, but it's sort of ways of not running out of time, you know, mm. Um, mm. so that you can really feel that, you know, a few days before press night that you can really let the show breathe and be what it is because mm. you've done everything that you needed to do for that phase. It's interesting that you're finding so many tiny corners of activity. Um, and as you say, without trying to irritate the director, I can feel the for, for me when I'm working, I feel the the tension of how can I have that conversation and will it be distracting? And actually, do I is it okay for me to have that conversation now? Do I need to go through the director, etc.? I, f- I find that yeah. quite difficult to negotiate sometimes. Thank you for saying that because um, because I have also found that difficult in the past. Now I, I just try and use some really kind of like simple mechanisms. So uh, uh, during previews, for example, I'll ask a director if something is for the short list or the long list right, yeah. um, and say, you know, and then kind of getting them to define it is really good. So if it goes on the short list, then I get up and do it. And if it's for the long list, I know then I can then ask for time uh, in the future. Um, I, I so should... sort of quite simple. I was just going to say, I'm taking, I'm taking like notes, that. Aisha. I'm like, got my little notebook. I'm like, okay, short list. <laughs> well, it, I, I, I've only got a director to to thank for that, really, because I used to work with a director who used to say, um, here are the hard things for today. And all the hard things were on my list. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know? and, and, and it was a deeply sweet way of saying it because, you know, they were hard for him, but they were joyful for me yeah. you know um <laughs> yeah I mean like I think a, yeah. there's something about being having um really strong relationships with the collaborators and the creative teams makes what you've described Aisha sound infinitely uh possible even <laughs> or you know what I mean sometimes when you you're constantly working with new teams not only are you negotiating the time you need but you're just negotiating like hmm that reaction was that <laughs> you know what I mean you have to you're you're kind of going back and forth uh, is is this is this a good time is this a bad mm. time I have a list who do I talk to should I mm, uh, oh, you know uh so yeah there's something interesting about having repeat relationships um the few that I've had in which being able to do that is just so much easier yeah um yeah yeah I think that's fantastic and, and also just to add in I think, um, you know, we're, we're talking a lot about the director as sort of the holder of time, but, but stage managers are so key, you know, and, and the moment you have a really open dialogue with stage management, and again, you know, again, with a bit of experience, I've learned to leave like a to-do list. So I always leave my to-do list with the stage managers. Um, so as they're creating calls, for example, they they know what my priorities might be. So when they put together a call and they know that I'm in for like the next two days, they'll really fill up my time and also like work to my my agenda as well as the director's agenda, you know. Um, so I, I do try and leave to-do lists and to, to make sure that I can I can get a purchase on a call. Taking notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So it's about the, the, you know, the collaboration is about trust, isn't it? But also about clarity. And as you say, the sharing of information and, and the sharing of desires. Um, on a sort of more nuts and bolts note, 
how often are you there? And I'm sure that's, you know, I'm sure that varies. But do you want to be there every day, all day, every day? Or are you there two days a week? What's the ideal for you? And perhaps what's the ideal and what's the reality, uh, Ingrid, for you? Um, this is a very interesting question for me because I think I I became a movement director quite officially. I feel like I officially became a movement director at the same time I became a mother. So um, it actually set up quite um very clear boundaries for me in what was um, ideal and then what was possible. Um, and then because of um, my home life situation, I was, I, I couldn't be there full time. So there is actually a world in, in, in my creative world in which I have yet to be on a production full time. Mm. Um, I don't know if the work would be better if I was, it might be. But I just, you know, the, the the kind of boundaries of my life have determined that this is what I can offer. And then I, with with uh, with with the conversations with the director, feeling each other, sensing each other, they have gone. We can do that. Let's do yeah. that. And it might I can I think for those who that's not an adjustment they can make, then that's not we I don't work with them, I suppose. But I've never I haven't found that yet. Mm. Um, and also, um, I think they always say they would love to have me around full time right there <laughs> by their, off the back of their shoulder so they can mm. whisper to you and collaborate with. And, but I haven't, I haven't had that yet. I, I don't know. I, don't, I was going to say I haven't had that luxury. I don't know if it is a luxury. I don't know, but I haven't had mm. that yet. So I can't speak to what it's like to be there full time. But I can speak to the fact that I've had to have very clear boundaries. And I know that if I hadn't become a mother at the same time, I think I would have just been there full time. And I wouldn't know the difference, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's interesting. For for me, it was the same that I started developing my ways of working at the same time as as having a child. Um, And so exactly the same. But I think for a dramaturg, it's different. And I think it's very important that we're not, I think it's very important that we're not there all the time, because work must be created without it being named and without it being uh, discussed and even seen sometimes. So I think maybe it's a different role. Definitely not my goal. Uh, It is not my goal to be there the the whole time. Uh, I think that would be detrimental. Uh, What about you, Aisha? Yeah, it's very similar to Ingrid, really. I've very rarely am full time in 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 a process, and and I think um, where I've been asked to be full time, um, I've I've said no. Um, it's not that I I I also teach as well, so I, I have this kind of double commitment really, which is, you know, my teaching is very dear to me and very important, and my sort of like, uh, yeah, it's the rhythm of my life, and and movement direction has to has to sort of they have to work together. Um, and actually finding my, you know, my, my moments to be away and, and come in with renewed energy or, or having had time to process something means that actually, I think it's quite a creative thing not Mm. to be there. So maybe that's where we're, we're quite similar, I I suppose, in that time away is valuable. Um, yeah. Uh, ha- having said that, uh, I sometimes work with a very small scale uh, company who has research and development time. And I-, I love that. I love that sort of we've got a week's research and development. We're all in the room together for five days. Uh, and, you know, it- it's kind of got this softness around it and it's got this product. Uh, yeah, you live the life of of the room, I suppose, fully. Um 
But then again, that is so that you can come back to a project in six months time, um, having digested that experimental time. Mm. I, I, I think a... I, my optimal is like two and a half days a week or something like that. Yes, yeah, okay. that's a nice so that's time. The same for me. Yeah, And also it you is, have it yeah. beyond the opening as well into previews. And do you have it throughout the lifetime of a show occasionally? Do you revisit the work? Uh, I, I'm always full-time when it gets to the end of process and through, you know, I try and be full-time through all of that part because I think that's really important. Um, what was your other question, Lou? Do you continue to visit the work? Like if it works on tour for three years, do you pop in occasionally and just Most see how definitely. it is? Yeah, 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 yeah. Most yeah. definitely because you have to support the work. Or, you, I mean, you know, with work that's going to go on, you, you'll often have a, a dance captain or a movement captain who's maintaining it so you need to maintain them maintaining the work yeah, nice, you know yeah. and there's some things that they can't do or they might need support with or whatever so I, th I think sustainability is a really big theme I think for us um and yeah I would want to to sustain work okay I wanted to ask you obviously you're in amongst the whole process in amongst the creative and collaborative team do you work with dramaturgs mm -hmm. um and I'm aware that dance dramaturgs and theatre dramaturgs perhaps operate differently or can operate differently. Um, but I'm always conscious of uh, too many voices. When I'm working with an artist, the worst thing that can happen really is that there are too many voices and they're getting too many opinions and it, and it uh, diminishes my um, how valuable I can be and you just become part of the noise. Um, but you work so closely with the artists that you're working with. So I want to ask you, yeah, do you work with dramaturgs and and how do you navigate that and these conversations? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've um, there's a few more recently that <laughs> I've uh, become friends with and uh, I love I, I love the work that dramaturgs do. I think it's so valuable for me. Um, I didn't come from a, a theater background. I came from a dance background and sometimes the world of theater and the text and the script and the history of a text, it can get quite overwhelming. It's like, oh, and, um, and sometimes I'm picking it with a dramaturg, even just outside of the room, like over coffee mm. is, is incredibly useful for me um, because it reminds me actually that I'm actually meeting the text in exactly the, the right way in the way that I should be meeting the text. Um, so, um, or they can also uncover um, something for me that sends me down another path of thought that I hadn't thought of before. Good. So I absolutely love the work that um, dramaturgs do. I think they're essential. Um, and I, I love the kind of side conversations you can have with them. I think, uh, I think in the moment, it's quite difficult to collaborate in the moment with the dramaturg, if that makes sense. That's my experience. Um, like in the room, like in the liveness of the room, I think it's- Because there's so much going on. There's so much going on um, that sometimes the responsiveness of a movement person needs to be so quick, almost like a like a, like a a panther, like, <laughs> you know, to kind of sit and unpick it, it, mm -hmm. it just pulls you out of that, 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 that moment. But being able to unpick it outside of the process slightly, just in the corridor, over coffee is is like chef's kiss for me. Yeah, I'd like to say that dramaturgs can sometimes be panther-like, <laughs> but there you go. <laughs> uh, I, I, you're you're right that it's uh, you know m normally it's it's a longer conversation than that. Aisha, for you, um, I suppose my 
my experience is much more um, that dramaturgy is held by a creative team. So it feels like we have dramaturgical discussions and questions and interrogations more within a creative team. So I'm not very aware of having worked with a dramaturg as a person. Um, I would love to, of course. I know um, one. <laughs> I, I would absolutely love to. Um, I guess, you know, when, I, when I've been mm. working on new plays, there's, there's sometimes a sort of a literary manager figure who might be at the beginning of rehearsals. And again, you know, the, the, the questions and the collaborations around new texts, I think, are infinitely useful for a movement director to be part of because we, well, I, I know that new plays are sort of, they're, they're still a sort of process of research and development through mm. rehearsal. So one needs to be incredibly attentive, I suppose, to the developments of, of how things might shift about, mm. you know. Um, but yeah, dr dr dramaturg, I, I haven't yet been in a Not room yet. with a dramaturg. Interesting. I think that's, yeah, okay, Not there's yet. a difference between working on, well, plays as opposed to devised pieces maybe, uh, and plays that have existed for a while perhaps, um, but perhaps it's coming your way. Um, I also wanted to ask you, so I've observed that uh, choreographers are brilliant at finding movement, creating movement and using space but they aren't always so comfortable with finding ways to access the emotions of their performers. Obviously some are, but some aren't. And I wanted to ask you if you've ever worked with any choreographers to help them unleash that. That's a, that's a, I haven't. No. Yeah. Um, I have, but, but not explicitly as a movement director. So I used to also rehearsal direct um with choreographers in dance companies. Mm. And it's at the same time that I was um, beginning my work as a movement director. So I became quite interested in different processes um, because the way that the way that dance and dancers and dance is made is very different to the way theater is made. Um, and I mean, that's a, that's a whole nother podcast, but um, so, so yes, I think, I think, um, I think it actually it comes at the same time that the dance world and the theater world is aiming to be a more inclusive place. And within that inclusivity, we're seeing different stories being told on stage, which means that we're seeing different ways of making work in the creative process, which means that we're being able to see different types of emotion or experience different types of emotion in performers, particularly dancers, um, that we've never seen before. Um, yeah, okay. I don't know if that cycle makes sense, but I, I think I think it's it's a it's a it's a kind of for me it's about inclusivity and accessibility, and because we're we're telling stories and we're telling uh, we're making work in a more accessible way and we're aiming to, then we're finding that we need uh, with dance in particular we're needing different processes to be able to handle the different types of bodies and different types of people with different types of lived experience in the room. Um, yeah, interesting. So, so then, yes, I think now choreographers are are finding that they need different tools to be able to access um, these fantastic and incredible, and what might one might say in quotation marks, non traditional bodies in the space. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So different stories and different bodies, but I also think that 
oh, it's not for me to make a judgment of the training system, but I just feel that sometimes that they don't necessarily know how to get into the emotional landscape. And I feel like you guys need to run a workshop um, <laughs> that would help them. You know, they know what they're doing, these people, but just there's the extra tools and extra strategies, I guess, uh, I guess for, for coming in that way. Um, but anyway, okay, so obviously your roles are vast and rich and varied, but can you tell me um, about when it sometimes doesn't work do you sometimes meet resistance? Uh, is there sometimes a clash of personalities? Uh, and, and what does failure feel like or look like for you? Aisha? <laughs> I'm going to start. Yeah, I'll start with this. Um, I think all of that exists. And I suppose what I, I wanted to sort of start with failure, really, um, because I think it's, I feel very, I think failure is my friend. Um, you know, I think, um, I think creative processes are a process of risk taking and unknowing. Um, so the proximity of failure is, is really close and it whispers loudly, um, as a kind of creative energy, you know, so I, th I think, I think it's inbuilt into theater making. Um, I think where I start to feel like um, movement direction could be, it could work at a whole other register, which doesn't exist at the moment. <laughs> I want to just say that. Um, in that, I think the work that movement directors have done, you know, since the 50s is to find um, a, a sort of genuine voice for the body within a process. Um, and to advocate for mm. the glory of the body and its richness and its its complexity. Um, so I, I do feel like there's a sort of campaigning aspect to being a movement director, which is that I, I am really going to try and advocate for the sustainable, creative aspect of the performing body. Mm. Um, so I think I've got lots of ideas about how one could improve that and it's partly you know making sure that movement directors are engaged at the same time as designers are so that you've got a real genuine lead into a work and you can sit with it um getting as much information about the actors before you get into a rehearsal room can allow you to prepare more fully i think rehearsal rooms that have spaces for actors to attend to their bodies would be really lovely you know sort of like proper studio spaces for warm-ups, personal warm-ups, cool-downs, personal cool-downs. So I think there's a, I think there's a, a, a paradigm shift that's possible. And I, I don't know if I'm going to achieve that in my working lifetime, but I would really love to see it radically reworked, I think, okay. so that, um, <clears throat> that we, we, we put the performing body at the centre of everything we do. Mm. And you say that now because... Um, it's it's I'm not sure it is a failure, but it's certainly work that needs to be done or progress that needs to be made in order for the craft to be as um, valuable as it can be. I guess. Yeah, and I suppose um, I, I I think there's something about what exists in theatre is a sort of tension between aesthetics and process. Um, so an aesthetic decision that's made. Um, may 
not have really deeply considered the body that's within that aesthetic mm. process. Mm. You know, a very sort of, here's a really small kind of pragmatic example of that, but, um, you know, female actors who perform in high heeled shoes for years and years and years, you know, that's just like, that. that's unsustainable. Mm. And, uh, you know, you, you inhibit somebody's movement, you affect their physiology. Um, yeah, so that's a tiny thing, yeah, for example. Nice. And I think if we just had a different sort of respect and process, we, we would really think about that. And I, I guess it's something about theatre as well, which is that there, there is this sort of fragmented aspect to theatre, isn't there, where creative teams and actors would kind of move from job to job and the sort of interconnectivity of, of, of somebody's lived experience and body in the in-between spaces is something that I don't think we really consider strongly enough yet. So yeah, if I, if I was remaking the whole of theatre, I would design it quite differently. <laughs> oh, I wish you were. <laughs> so, do I. <laughs> so do I. Uh, you know, there's time. Ingrid, what about you? What do you reflect on in terms of, yeah, um, resistance, difficulties or work that has yet to be done? Um, I mean, I, I, it's uh, it, I reflect on a lot. Um, for me, I I always worry about failure. I'm super positive. Uh, I'm what they call a go getter, <laughs> but <laughs> I but I but I am constantly worried about failing. Um, I also am worried about being understood, or more importantly, about being misunderstood. Um, a, being misunderstood just as a movement director in the space and what I'm offering and my thoughts and how I see the world. And then also, um, not all, but the majority of creative teams I've been a part of, um, most often the only Black and female person on the team. So there is also that element of being in, um, shall I call it, white spaces that you're uncertain if you're going to be understood and there's a there's a filtering that happens and I as an artist I need to make sure I can unfilter myself so I can then bring my most creative self to the space so I'm, I'm constantly negotiating that in the moment all the time so sometimes I feel when that becomes really when when that really slips to the front of my brain is when the work I don't want to say suffers, but it's probably not my best. And when I can just be in the space as Ingrid mm. um, is when uh, I probably produce my most creative work. But it's a constant negotiation, which takes a lot of work. And I hope to see the industry change because there's been lots of changes to in theatre to have really incredibly diverse casts. So the company of actors is uh, much more um diverse and inclusive than we've seen in the past but the creative teams are not a reflection of that yeah and i think the body it affects the bodies in the space and how they feel and and how how quickly they can trust the process i think um with really incredible creatives in a really healthy room and a really holistic room that creativity will flourish but i think there's always an initial um meeting point when uh, I can imagine as a company member, you come into the room and um, you're, you're, you are not reflected back by the people that are going to be helping you make the work. So I'm very aware of, um, yeah. I, I don't want to say I carry any sort of like responsibility uh, of, you know, representing 
um, anyone, but I am very aware when I do go into a room of being the only um, black creative in a space. And then when there's black actors in the company, there's a kind of an unspoken awareness in which I feel like I'm looking out for them and how they're spoken to and how they're addressed in terms of their bodies uh, much more than uh, I do, um, possibly for others even. Uh, you know, I can say that quite honestly. <clears throat> so I think I would love to see that change where that doesn't have to be in the forefront of my brain. Um, and that comes from, I don't even know where that comes from. I think it comes way beyond even just other movement directors in the industry. I think it comes from producers, it comes from training, it comes from venues, houses, theater. It just, it, 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 we have a long road, I think, to go to really properly reflect to properly make the changes we keep saying we want to make. Yeah, we have a long yeah. road. So I think for me, I suffer with that. So sometimes when I'm met with resistance in a process, there is there is a moment that crosses my mind. I'm like, oh, are they thinking, are they not liking this because, <laughs> are they not liking this because I'm a black woman and maybe I said it a bit too aggressively or they don't understand what I'm talking Like I really, that crosses my brain and I have to stop mm -hmm. and go, no, 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 no. I just didn't explain, you know, I, I do have those moments. Or did that person talk to me that way? Cause I still noticed they talked to someone else a different way. I am constantly negotiating that um, yeah. while I'm making work. So it's quite exhausting. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the whole job as we've said is, an, is a place of unknowing and a place of questioning and self-reflection and shall I do this now? Shall I not do this now? But yeah, that, that, um, those filters that you're talking about and those weights that you can potentially allow uh, allow in I guess or that you carry make it more complicated um and you're yeah I mean you're right in terms of representation backstage that's um very much a, a work in process isn't it in diversity backstage I mean I'll share uh, a story share? of um I'll just Go quickly share a story of just my first time working with the Royal Shakespeare Shakespeare Company and um I just was like so excited, my job, well, you know, RSC. And I, I had this thought as me going in there as a black woman movement director on this team that I should be a certain way. It was strange. I don't even know where this came from. And I curated this playlist of music that I don't even listen to because I thought that would just, I don't know, make my spine more vertical and my, my fingers clasped and my jaw clenched. And, uh, <laughs> and that's exactly what it did to everybody. It made their spines vertical and their jaws clenched in and not the, the way that you want. And um, I, I had to quickly come back the next day with a completely different playlist, an Ingrid playlist. And it just, it was an exhale for me. And it was a big learning for me that I need to, um, you know, bring myself to the space. Um, and hopefully it will be met um, positively. That's so interesting. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. It's funny. I, when I first started teaching when I was very young, I remember that I, uh, um, I decided I would carry my bag in a certain way because that would make me look like a proper teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I think like anyone was watching. Um, but yeah, we we adapt we we are influenced by our um circumstances and and I I can only imagine it felt lovely going in on day two and thinking, right, sod that. Uh, <laughs> now I'll be me and I'll get on with my job. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that, Ingrid. It's really revelatory. Um so okay, can I ask you then, um, as we round up, if uh, a movement director is listening to this. Uh, or somebody thinking about becoming a movement director, what advice would you give, uh, perhaps in terms of, you know, living authentically and operating authentically, but also, yeah, in terms of approaching the sector, 
what would you say? What would you encourage them to do or to be? Aisha. I think um, I, I would suggest to, to work slowly. Um, I'm really interested in slowing things down at the moment, um, which is, I, I guess, what's interesting about entering a field or developing yourself within a field is that the field exists already. It existed before you you arrived and it will exist after you go. So there's something about um, how one kind of commits to that and develops within it. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I would be saying is sort of, you know, the sort of slow, slow progression. And, and I guess I, I have the sort of privilege of being, you know, of having worked for a certain amount of time and also hoping to work for a certain amount of time. And there's something about, um, you know, really progressing at your own rate um, making the making the steps that feel doable for you um, that fulfill your creative ambitions. Mm. Yeah, that's what I would be. Saying. There's something um, in, in the slowness for me. I remember early on when I was working that I kind of had this feeling, "Oh, Lou, you've got to say something excellent really soon." You know. The artist you're working with has been talking for a while. It's time you delivered a brilliant, you know, a blow or a really fascinating question. And of course, I have to not do that. I have to relax and be in the moment and and allow myself to be quiet and allow myself to listen and and, and trust that there's time for all of that. And so to trust in perhaps the slowness of the conversations as well. Uh, yeah. in Ingrid, what about you? What would you say? Um, yeah, thank you for that, Aisha. I think that's uh, wonderful work. Slowly. I think it's great. Even saying the word slowly, it just feels mm. it feels nourishing. Um, I I would say um, I would say most importantly, just research and invest in things that interest you. There's a real uh, there's a tendency when we approach things to, like we were saying, you know, carry your bag like an artist a certain way. So there's a certain type of movement you need to study to be a, and I, I think all of that uh, is a fallacy. I think you should be interested in what you're interested in and then know it really well or as well as you can and then bring that to the space mm. when you're given the opportunity. So don't bring a version of yourself that you think looks like a movement director to a space just bring a version of yourself that understands what you're talking about to the space yeah. and then things will flourish um try not to compare yourself to others and i say that as coming from someone where this is my second career so i had a career as a professional dancer and spent a lot of time comparing myself to others and it mm -hmm. can happen also as a creative so don't compare yourself to others just take your time uh and it will it will be what it will be um, and then pay attention to the opportunities that seem to knock and come your way once, twice, three times. They're probably telling you something in a really positive way. And that might be a door you should explore and who knows what might be behind it. So, yeah, just be really open. Wonderful. Thank you. It's such a pleasure talking to you both. I wish I could be in a room and watch you in action. It's so interesting and I can only imagine how valuable you are to processes. Um, thank you for sharing your time and uh, so generously sharing your wisdom today. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.
That's it for this episode of Downtime. I hope you enjoyed it. Do listen to the other episodes of both seasons one and two with lots of brilliant artists and arts leaders. And for more information about me, my work, the courses I run and the artists and organisations I work with all through COAD, the Centre of Applied Dramaturgy, go to www.thecoad.org. Thanks for listening. May you be lucky and well enough to have a little inspired downtime of your own.